Welcome to the Gentleman's Atlas podcast. I'm your host, Isaac, and on this podcast, we aim to bring you open and authentic conversations and give you the resources to become the hero of your own story. Whether it's a solo session or featuring a special guest, I appreciate your time. Let's get right into today's episode. Gentlemen, welcome back to another episode on the Gentleman's Atlas podcast. Thrilled to have you back with me again, and let's go ahead and get started with today's episode. Now, in this week's episode, we have a special guest. Ladies, gentlemen, with this guest, I want you to know that when you look up to someone, when you admire someone, when you look at someone as someone who you want to be like, you have to look not only what they do professionally, but who they are when it comes to the family, who they are when it comes behind the scenes, behind when the camera's off. And this man, this individual, is someone who not only puts the work in professionally, but has done everything in his power and continues to do so to develop personally as a family man, as a, as a man of God. And so when I look at men that I admire, I look at men that are good, not in just one area, but in all areas, making them great men. This gentleman has worked nonstop for the last decade to make his dreams a reality, to grow to where he is today, to help men become the best versions of themselves. He is just as good in camera as he is in person. He is a pleasure to be around, a pleasure to learn from, and a man we should all aspire to be like. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let me introduce to you Hafiz Baukul. Welcome to the show. What up, what up, what up? Appreciate you, my guy. Really, really grateful. Um, I know we've been talking about this for a long time. I know we got a, a very interesting backstory that we're going to tell the people. But, but yeah, man, I, I think that, that what I admire the most about you is that you have this tenacity that reminds me of when I was a lot younger. Um, hopefully, what I still have now. But that tenacity of being consistent and, being, and persevering in the midst of what you want in life, I think it's going to get you very far and very, very quickly. It's interesting that you say that because when I was talking to Chris about it, um, we were kind of, when we talked about the episode, we really were like, you know, I talked to him. I was like, yeah, you know, I want to get Hafiz on. I really want to get his perspective, especially since I think the way that you guys have operated the podcast in terms of like, you're very good at getting good questions out of people. You're good at bringing topics. And Chris, to me, is a great sounding board who kind of absorbs and then he produces like some gem out of the information he got. And so one of the things he said, he was like, you know, he talked about like the setting up interviews. And if you said it yourself too, you know, when you set up your interviews, you might spend years trying to get a certain guest like you did with uh, Dr. Peterson. But for you, it was like, you know, if you want something, you're going to get it. You know, it's not going to be handed to you. You understand, you know, the people's agendas and stuff like that. So I think a good starting point for us is really going to be looking at what's the reality of doing something and pursuing something on your own and knowing that sometimes people aren't going to make it easy for you or it's not going to be easy for you and there's going to be struggles along the way? Um, no, that, that's, that's, a, that's a great question. I think to me, when it comes to pursuing what I want or, or anybody pursuing what they want in life, it just goes back to what did you learn at a very young age? And I think the lesson that I learned from a very young age is that if you want something, it's just really hard to get. And I think that kind of shapes your behaviors. 
Because if your whole life you've wanted things and it was always easy to get, then you probably assume that everything's supposed to be like that. There's only a certain level of effort and energy you're willing to put in to, re to receive the end result. And so for me, I think that's been the biggest thing in the back of my mind is that life has fortunately slash unfortunately showed me that everything that I've wanted is extremely difficult to get. And so I just have the understanding that everything that I, that I want to do is going to take me a process. It's going to take me a journey. And those experiences shaped me to be the person I am today. So when it comes to, and I know you're big on this, you can't do it alone. What do you say to the individual who yeah. doesn't think, thinks the same way as you, but doesn't see that community, doesn't see the like-minded people, maybe in the area they are, they just can't find people that want better for themselves. Um, like I know when I talked to Stefan about it, he was like, you know, for a long time, I didn't have anyone that was walking in their purpose alongside me. A lot of times it was friends that were there for the good times. And so for that individual, what do you say to them? Yeah, so to me, I, I did a video a couple weeks ago, and, and, and funny, my video ideas like pop up like in the most craziest of times. Like, I think it was maybe laying in bed at one o'clock in the morning and an idea came about, about the idea of building a house. So I have multiple concepts around this idea of building a house. But one of the concepts that I thought about was that when you're building a house, uh, there are some people who can build a house by themselves. Like I was watching this one movie and this man built his home by himself. Like there are some people who can do it by themselves, but most people can't. But let's say you are the select few guy who can build a house by himself. And in this movie, this guy was building his house by himself and it took him 10 years to build it. So though we had all the skills to make his dreams come true, it took him a lot of time because he was only one man. And that's when it dawned on me that when I go to construction sites, when I see people building houses, it's rarely ever one man bands. It's usually 10, 20, hundreds of guys, whole construction crews, cranes, bulldozers. They're using every tool and person in the book to achieve the end destination. And so what I realized is that men are what um, Johan Hari described as pack animals, right? Um, and, and as pack animals, we're not meant to be isolated. And there are some men who can do well when they're by themselves, but they will be even greater with other people. And I remember I was reading about this in, a, in books about building wealth, and, and, and there's only a certain amount of money you can make if you're just working your way to wealth. Because what happens is most guys, they, in order to, let's say, to make $100,000 a year, you have to work hard. So let's say, hypothetically speaking, you have to put in nine hours a day of work, that's easy, 12 hours a day of work to make $100,000. And let's say for every two more hours of work, you get $100,000 more, right? So 12 hours, 100,000. 14, 200. 16, 300. You know what I mean? 18, 400. It gets to a point where you run out of hours in the day and no amount of hard work will, will cause an increment in the wealth you can build. So what happens is what they realize, men who really build wealth, realize is that networking and connections is the way to build where hard work just simply can't sustain you to a certain level. And so that's my biggest thing with men is that the men I've seen, this is just all anecdotal experiences, all feelings, no facts. The men I've personally seen struggle the most are the men who, men who are in isolation. 
the men who I see have the most shameful moments the most are the men in isolation. And so to me, I, I, I wholeheartedly believe my success in life came because I have the ability to meet other people and they're all able to take me up a notch in life. And when I see other guys who did not have all the other men that I've had, but they're trying to go on a journey I've gone on, I'm like, well, you, you, can, you can get there, but it might take you 30 years because you're trying to build a house by yourself. No, I think that's key. And one of the one of the things that I've kind of answered here a lot, too, is I get a lot of questions about, you know, loneliness, because if you don't have that community to tap into, if you don't have those people that you can rely on, that you can build with, you know, there's a point where you get very lonely because if you don't have that, the other people that are kind of there for the good times and there for, you know, just having fun, they're not really going to help you at all because they're just going out and they're just saying, why aren't you coming out? They're not really trying to solve these problems. So what I often find is sometimes you have to look in areas that maybe you're not accustomed to. And it's about this thing. You have to put yourself in new situations. Like if you continue in the same places, going to the same places and you're not seeing those people, like you have to see like, okay, do I travel somewhere? Do I go to a networking event? So my question to you is like, where do you say the top places to meet people that want better for themselves usually go? You see, this is a really hard question because people always ask me that. And, and, and obviously, you know, we'll talk about the standard later. And this is one of the reasons why I created the standard. Because there is no right answer. I'm being honest with you. There is no right answer. Because there's some places that, in my mind, are good. But it's also based upon the, the reality of you actively putting in work here, right? So, like, like an example, I could easily say the gym. Because usually, if someone's at the gym consistently working out, that person more than likely is wanting better for themselves, at least physically. That's, that's a good place to start. But then the challenge is a person right now can go to the gym and the five guys he meets at the gym is only interested in building more muscles and not interested in anything else. So they may go to the gym and say, okay, a feast is a great place to meet people, meet five guys, and then all five guys are duds because all they want is making muscle and not be able to make a legacy. Another place I could recommend is like religious um, gatherings. Like I'm a Christian, so I like I look for churches that have big young adult populations and like link it up there. But you can go to a church with a young adult population, and the reality is is that unfortunately those guys may not share your same values. They might they may they, you may not be able to connect with them. So that can work, but you can hit or miss with those as well. Or you can go to meetups for your favorite organization, event, companies, things like that. So if you're a person like a Gary Vee fan, you can go to VCon. If you're a roommate fan, you can go to Roommates Live Show. If you're a Jordan Peterson fan, you can go to Jordan Peterson's show. So if, so that's, in my opinion, of all of them are the best things to go to when, 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 when a certain content creator that you rock with is throwing an event in a city near you, if not your city. Usually the people that go to that event as well are like-minded, but sometimes they're not. So to me, um, those three things are the places I usually meet people. Um, but at the end of the day, I just know that it's, 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 there's no guaranteed and results may, may, may vary you. Sorry. Results may vary from a case-to-case basis. No, I think that is key. And I think, yeah, because I think one of the things I've seen too is like, yeah, it's very, it can be very one-sided. Like, yeah, maybe they are trying to grow in one aspect, but then all the other aspects, they're not really focused. Like, I think the gym's probably the biggest example of something like that. Um, but I think something that's interesting that I've found is 
sometimes you have to also think outside the box because with everything that's online, it's a lot easier to find different paths and find different ways to connect with online communities. Um, because I know you talked about this previously too, is like back then in ancient times, like they didn't have this ability. So they kind of had to like work with what they got or the tribe that they were in. But nowadays it's not like that. So I feel like there also has to be a want to, to start seeking it and to start looking in places and really being perseverant, um, perseverant about it. Because if you're not consistent, if you're not trying and if you're not really wanting it, you know, it's not going to happen. And I also think another thing too is like there's a component yeah. of, being open and being um, receptive to experience like that. But there's also a point of like, you also have to be putting the work in. You also have to be developing yourself because if all you want is want, 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 and you want people to give to you and you're not delivering, you're not adding value. You're not someone that's working actively on becoming better. There's a, there's a disconnect because you're not what they want you to be and you're not where you need to be as well. So in your perspective, like how important is putting in the work to attract like-minded people no it, it is and 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 that's where i said it's like the more i do this the more i'm constantly asking the question of okay what is the holes to your advice that's that's how i think nowadays i give advice what are the holes what are the counter arguments what are people going to disagree with the reality is some people are introverted individuals so they don't have skills like i do like for example um 2018, 2018, 2019, I got really big into fashion. Mainly 2019, I got really big into fashion. I realized that was a missing piece of my life that was holding me back. So I was interested in like, okay, I, I saw a bunch of content creators who were creating fashion. I was like, who are, the, who are some of the black guys who are like crushing in the fashion industry, right? That's where I found Joseph Hines' page. Somebody, uh, somebody showed it to me or I found it one day. Oh, this guy is pretty, pretty legit. So one day, I was out in a, at a restaurant in Atlanta, and Joseph Hines walks in the restaurant. I was like, oh my gosh, that's the guy from Instagram. 99 times out of 100, most people would just let that person be. That's not me. I walked over to him and said, hey, hey, hey how are you doing? Said, uh, is your name Joe? Oh, hey, how's it going? My name is Hafiz, man. I follow your page on Instagram. I love what you do. You're just pretty dope stuff, man. He's like, oh, I know who you are. You're the roommate's guy, right? Like, yeah, we chopped it up. And now he's one of my best friends. And so to me, that proactivity led me to meeting a person like Joe, right? And so most people may not have that if they're, if they're introverted. So you're right that there is a level in life where there's a certain amount of work that's needed. And I want to talk about the concept of work real quick because I know sometimes in today's society, it can seem like we're creating this unhealthy hustle culture, this toxic work, work, work culture, um, and, and we're promoting these messages that are destructive for people's lives. What I've realized is in the past, whatever life you got, that's what you had. If you were living in the 1700s in a coal town, you were a coal miner. If you were living in the 1500s, on a farm, you are a farmer. Whatever life gave you, that's what you got. If you were living in the medieval ages and everybody went to the Crusades and you're, all your friends died, guess what? Your village, you'll be by yourself forever. So in the past, whatever lot life gave you, you had to take it and there was not much you can do. If you were living in, you know, freaking ancient China in 15th century BC, 
You couldn't go to Japan. You couldn't go to Mongolia. You couldn't leave anywhere but the local village that you were at. So you were confined to whatever is whatever resources were available to you in that local community. You could try to move, but then you risk war, you risk wild animals. It was risky business. So most people, they were content with whatever life gave them and they made it work. Today, people don't want what life gave them. People don't want average. People don't want whatever lot they get in life. They want more. They want the best. And so to me, if you want the best, you have to realize that if you rolled a certain dice in regards to the dice roll of life and you've received a certain hand, now it's going to take you to do extraordinary things to be able to achieve what you want. And that's the part where I'm just, I'm in line, I'm aligning up the desire with the effort. So if you're an introverted person and you want to make friends, it's going to take a lot more effort than me, an extroverted person, to make friends. So to answer your question, yes, it is going to take a lot of work for people for what they want. And that's what people don't realize. Like, the desires you have demand a certain level of effort. And so one of the things that young men today struggle with, as you talked about, is isolation. Making friends is hard. The way friends are supposed to work in the past was you lived in the same, you lived in the same town, you graduated high school together as, as men if you went to high school. If not, most humanity didn't go to high school. You worked in the same field as everyone else in the village and everyone else in the town, whether you were hunter-gatherers or you were farmers or you're working in a factory. And that's those are your friends forever. That was life for people for thousands of years. But today, we don't have that anymore. Friends move. Unfortunately, people pass away. People go to college. So a lot of men are now being forced to make friends in ways where in the past, you didn't have a challenge. In the past, you couldn't stay at home 24-7 and be on the computer. There was no computer. There was no TV. So you're forced to go outside and socialize. We don't have that anymore. So, so yes, to, to be able to make those connections as a man today, it's going to take work. We don't live in 17th century, you know, Russia. We don't live in 3rd century Rome. Like, it's a new era, and, and you're right. It takes work to be able to get what you want, and, and it's all based upon what you want out of life. Yeah, no, I think for, for a lot of it, you know, it's just so many things are different now. And there is a lot of disconnects, especially like the one you talked about, like the effort and desires. But I think now is a good place to really talk about the community of the standard. So I, before you start, I want to talk about my experience of overall just seeing the standard and then kind of looking into it more and more as time went on. So I think the best part to start would be your live show in Atlanta. So for me, I'm someone that likes to wake up really early and likes to go to bed early to get enough sleep to recover. So if I don't go to bed by a certain time, I'm tired. And when I went to the show, of course, it was a late show, so the time was a lot different. There wasn't a single moment that I felt tired in that show because I was so energized by the energy and the drive that all these people had. You know, it was men from all, and women from all walks of life. But with the men especially, there was all this desire. They wanted to be there. They wanted to improve. They wanted to hear both of you speak, and they wanted to meet men in the same space. 
So that energy was so fueling and invigorating, especially since like the previous weeks before then, I just been working a lot, like nonstop. And so seeing that and feeling that energy, you know, gave me a perspective that I hadn't felt in a while. And when kind of just expanding from that, you know, again, I went back and I continued to work and do the stuff. And then, you know, speaking with you and then speaking with Chris and Stefan a little bit, you know, I really realized that like, I had solely wanted this community. Like, that's what I wanted. I wanted men who wanted better, not just in fitness, not just in health, but finances, family, spiritual career, everything. They just wanted to become as good as possible. This idea of like the Mamba mentality of becoming the best version you could be. And so for me, it was like, you have to realize that getting into these communities is so much more than you can understand. And so my initial reason for waiting to see about the standard was fitness-wise, I've been, you know, cycling. I do a lot of fitness stuff, so I've been cycling through bulking and cuts. So I was waiting to really start purchasing suits until I was in a space where I was better, you know, better suited to, to maintain the body I was in. But then I realized, I was like, listen, maybe I grow out of it, maybe I don't. But to be honest, it's not about the suit. As good as the suit is, as good as the quality is, and I know Joseph's been in the space for over a decade, that's not what it's about. It's not, that's the starting point. That's starting to look, starting to have that perception economics as he talks about. But the, the real is the community. And I've seen it develop in your content as well, where it's been like, all this time you've wanted to help people, right? F focusing on men, you've wanted to help. But as you've gone and as you've talked about being a teacher in different grades, it's like you're tired of trying to help men who don't want to be helped, but they say they do or they don't take action after being helped. And so sometimes I see your frustration. I see like you give someone the masculinity course or you give someone this, like the steps to healthy manhood. You give them the books and you tell them, you know, call me this, call this guy. And then you follow up and they haven't done any of it. And you've given everything you could to them. And so I see how discouraging that's been for you. And then I see that transition into like, okay, I want men who are serious. I want to help men, but I want to help men that want to be helped, that want to look at me and say, Hafiz, I want this. I'm ready for this. And so for me, that's what I've seen the standard become is just men committed to excellence, men committed to becoming best versions of themselves. And I see you almost in love with it because not almost i see you in love with it because i see yeah. how these men are taking advantage of these opportunities how they're becoming men of society that are helping that are becoming stronger and they're bonding together in this community that's that's up knit that's tight that's connected by these same ideals so i want you to explain more a little bit about that no that's then that's real good so i can honestly say that my unique experience prepares me, has prepared me to, in my opinion, be the best suited person for helping men develop into the men that they want to be in life. I taught preschool for multiple years. And in my last year of teaching preschool, one of the things that happened was a lot of the teachers were sick and or they would have things they were dealing with. So they would move me around to a lot of different classrooms because I was also an assistant teacher at this time in the second year of, of teaching preschool. So, they, so basically they would move me around. And it's fascinating because I was the only male that worked at that school. It was all females, I was the only male there. 
But they moved me around because they knew I was the best with all the kids. And I was in, because usually what happens in private preschools is also daycares. So it's not just like the kids from four to five. It's kids from, they usually don't go six weeks, but some, school, some schools I've been to, they, I've been around six-week babies up to six-year-old kids, right? So there were some weeks where I'd be in all those classrooms, the, the, the nursery, with the infants, with the toddlers, with the pre-pre-Ks and the pre-K kids. Boys, all of them, I was a favorite. Girls as well. Principal, the, the headmaster of the school loved me. I was so good with all the kids. I was so good with all the kids that they also had an after-school program for the high school kids, I mean, the elementary school kids. And they needed help with the elementary school after-school program. I said, okay. And I, and I ran that too. So I ran, I ran, I was doing both. I was literally working double shifts someday. I think it was like from nine to three. No, no, no. From seven to three preschool, and then from three to seven um, elementary school. And those elementary boys, man, there's this kid named Aiden. He's one of my favorite kids. He's so funny to me, but I hope he's doing well. He's probably like in high school now, such a long time ago. Was he in high school now? Yeah, he's probably in high school now. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Um, so I did elementary school. I was a middle school teacher. Taught middle school and coached middle school football, and I was a high school teacher, and I coached high school football. And then when I was in college, I stopped playing college football my sophomore year, junior year, and stopped mentoring my college, my, my teammates. Every age group you could think about, I've worked with those guys. And so to me, I work with a lot of young guys who I had to baby. Literal, there's some of them were literal babies as a six-month-old babies that I would that I would carry and have to change their diapers and have to feed them. I, I literally did those for those kids, and I figuratively did those for the older kids as well. And so to me, I think the desire of helping men is that you realize there's a lot of people who say they want to. They, they want help, but they're not serious, and they will waste your time. And respectfully, they're energy vampires. When I was a teacher, there was, there was always a few students in the classroom who were energy vampires. They quote-unquote said they wanted to be helped, but they would literally deter everyone from the class from the destination that I was trying to take the school into or the, or the students towards. So to me, it really bothered me as a teacher, how much energy is wasted into kids who just don't care. And so my whole life is begging people to care, begging people to want better for themselves. My whole life was doing that. And it was frustrating, and it was tiresome, and it was stressful. Because what always made me mad was there was always a kid in my class who wanted to learn, who wanted to be better, who wanted to be the best version of himself. But that freaking bad mother effort in the other side of the room ruined it for him and held him back and was sucking the energy from all the other teachers that he wasn't getting the quality education he deserved. And so to me, my heartbeat was, man, God put me on this planet to help men, but I can't help everybody and you cannot help those who don't want to help themselves. It's impossible. 
Lifeguard one-on-one will let you know that if there is someone about to drown, if they are kicking and wailing and throwing punches at you, you cannot, you cannot rescue them. You cannot, because what's going to happen? They're going to hit you, knock you out, you're both going to die. Unless that person is willing and receptive to being rescued, they cannot be rescued. So to me, I think that's one of the, the heartbeats about creating the standard was I wanted to be able to be in a place where all the guys were so serious about growing and becoming better. I wanted to invest my time in those guys. I wanted to invest my time in those people. And it's, and it's life-giving because I've never done this. I've been changing diapers for the past 11 years. 11 years of changing diapers nonstop. And to be able to get to a point now where, for the most part, there's still a few guys in there who need me to change their diapers, unfortunately. But for the most part, to get to a place where I don't have to change people's diapers is, 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 is reinvigorating. And so my heartbeat and my desire is, is for the men who are serious, man. I want the guy who wants help, who wants guidance, the, the kind of guy I was when I was in my early 20s. And so to be able to provide everything I never had to a whole generation of men is just it means a lot to me because I just know how much I would have loved to have it when I was younger. No, I think that's such a big part, especially too, is that what you just said is that leverage of what you can offer because you have all this experience. And I feel like for me, the three most important things that an individual should have is one influence, right? Being able to influence others, being able to, you know, convey charisma, passion and stuff like this and really convince others that their idea or to add value or to build connections, build networks. Um, the second one's leveraged experience, books, mentors, people that have walked the walk and talked the talk. Because what people don't realize is that's that if a sh- life has a shortcut, that's a shortcut. Why? Because they've lived it. It doesn't mean you're not going to make mistakes. It's going to mean you're making mistakes that are different than them, right? You're making your mistakes that are based off knowledge of someone that's already done it. And the last one for me is confidence, right? Being able to be confident in what you have. Confidence for me is competence. You have to be able to really go somewhere and be someone that you are confident that you are. And so again, with that part of leveraged experience, like I feel that's something that you offer is like, listen, if you want to be helped and I know you want to be helped here, please, because I don't want you to make the same mistakes I did. I want you to start, you know, becoming a man on your own accord. And I feel like what's so beautiful about after a certain time in the process you start to realize that it really is about your individual process. And there's, there's a point where you get to where you're not as caught up into what others have. And I know you've brought the point of comparison as a thief of joy, but for an example for me is like for the longest time in my fitness journey, you know, I'd always look at people that were ahead of me and I'd be like, man, you know, that's what I really want. And while it had motivated me, I got to a degree where I was like, man, like this is, this is me. Like, I know I can be so much more, but like, this is like, I'm proud to have made this on my own accord and not have it handed to me. Like if someone said, here's, here's the dream body, I wouldn't take it because if it's not made from the fruits of my labor, I don't want it. And so I feel in terms of what you've built, it's like, maybe you, things might've been different. Sure. But I don't feel like there's anything that you would take back because what's happened has made you who you are today. What you've learned has made you who you are today. And I feel like that's conveyed to the people's lives that you change. And something I want to talk about too is that 
I see it and when I see t- and I talk to people like you and you know li- listening to people like Jose you know it's so easy to just forget where you've been sometimes because you're so caught up in where you're going like for, for us it's like you don't want to look back like no I got all this stuff to do like uh, you know I think you've said it before the score is zero I'm still going like I'm just getting started and so in that headspace it's like that's really where the greats are made where you're always looking forward and it's like not cut up in the past accomplishments like okay cool I made that great all right back to work because I feel like it's it's a purpose bigger than life and it's so exciting and so invigorating to see in other individuals so I want you to talk a bit about that too how you feel in your life as seeing that score is zero and seeing all that you have to go yeah, I think it goes back to like what is your vision and, and to me I don't I want to make it clear that everyone is different and I don't want people to listen to me or Jose and, and and to take our mentality if that's not your purpose in life. If you feel content with being a man living in Charlotte, North Carolina making $50,000 a year, you have a beautiful wife and two great kids, a, a white picket fence, a dog and you know your your flag football team on Saturdays, uh, all power all power to you because you're happy, you've won, you've fulfilled your purpose in life. Uh, the fish should not look at the eagle and say, man, my gosh, I'm not doing anything in my life, I can't fly. I just had an eagle look at the fish and say, hey, man, I'm not doing anything in my life, I can't swim in the water. You need to understand what your purpose that God has given you and be contented in that. And so for me, my vision is just bigger. You know, my vision is bigger than what I have and what, where I am now, and it's okay. I'm, the, I'm, I'm still in the first quarter of life. Um, so I'm cool with it, and I might be the second, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I'm cool with it. So I just have a bigger vision for what, what for what I want to be, and I think it's a vision that God gave me. So I'm content with people seeing me and being like, "Wow, Feast, you're successful." And I'm like, "Well, I'm not because you're viewing me at a different level, and I'm just not content with being there." But to me, I think. It's not comparison. It's not looking at Jose and be like, well, I'm not Jose. I'm unhappy. It's looking at my purpose that God has given to me. But it's also having that balance where God's like, oh, you know, you're on track. And it's not about the destination. Because when I was 25, I was on the purpose that God had given me at that time. But I was still six years away from being the person I am today. Right? So I think to me, that's just that, dual, that, that dualistic balance of realizing that, okay, I'm not where I need to be but I'm exactly where God wants me to be. Or correction, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm exactly where God needs me to be. That's a better way of putting it. Right, yeah, I feel like there's, and there's also a connection you can really have with accepting things as they are and being happy that they are as they are because in terms of seeing things as a gift, right, an opportunity to grow, whether you see it as positive or negative, you know, you see it as God's plan for you. You see it as, what's meant to be happening right now. And so I think in terms of mentality, like that's huge. Like you have to realize that everything that happens to you is for you, whether you see it or not. There's an opportunity as long as you can make the opportunity out of the situation. And I feel like there has to be that that drive, that ability to push through, that dedication, that discipline, where you have to see things, maybe not in the moments, but start thinking a little more strategically. Like, I feel one of the best people about it is Patrick Brett David, and I know you've brought him on several times, but I feel like every time you bring him on, it's always this idea. It's not just about the next move, not about the next day. There's more to the story. There's more 
that we can't see and we have to tap into that we have to see a future direction and so when i see you know an opportunity or and i see something arise you know you have to look at it several different ways because it's not just about the immediate it's not just about what's happening today and tomorrow but even two months from now three months from now six months from now and so what do you think about that idea of like strategic thinking and seeing things not as they are now but as they could be 100 percent. i think uh a man should have some kind of vision for his life because without a vision there's no direction right so it's kind of like a the idea of driving a car and you're heading somewhere but you have no end destination the gps so where's your car going to go go wherever you feel but it's never going to lead you towards end destination because you have none and so to me i think a man must have that vision for his life, for where he wants to go, and that vision should compel him to move forward. And one of the biggest things that you all see a lot of guys struggling with is that the guys don't have that vision. And they're just living life just day by day, just trying to figure it out. And that to me is, 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 is literally like driving in your car every day with, without ever putting anything in, in the end destination of GPS. What's your favorite story? What's like the one story that if anyone asks you, like your favorite story, the favorite plot, the idea, the heroes, what's your favorite story? Man, I think I talk about it in my story of the man's course is the hero's journey. I mean, every great story is the hero's journey, like every last one of them. I mean, the story of Pinocchio is similar to the story of Christ. The story of Christ is similar to the story of, of Anakin Skywalker. You know, the, the story before they ruined it, obviously. The story of... Like, the hero's journey is the story of Naruto, the story of Avatar Aang, the story of Goku. Like, the hero's redemptive journey is, to me, the, the most powerful story um, ever told. And, and to me, I think any story about the redemptive story of the hero, of a boy who became a king, those are all my favorite stories. Yusuke Yurameshi was a boy who became a king. Um, Naruto Uzumaki was a boy who became the king. Um, Christ was a baby born in the manger who became the king. So I think, to me, uh, the boy who became king is, and is, is a beautiful part of the hero's journey, in my opinion. What, when you think about the hero's journey, and you think about, and I know you've talked about the elements of a hero's journey, but when you're really l- looking at it, what to you is the defining point in a hero's journey? There's two. I mean, the, the first one came into my mind is, that, is the obstacle, right? obstacle is the defining part of the hero's journey and the obstacle is li- literally the thing that you think is going to finish the hero off right like every hero has a grand obstacle if it was Anakin Skywalker it was turning to the dark sky if it was Naruto it was conquering the nine-tailed fox if it was Avatar Aang it was you know retapping back into his chakras like every hero has a grand obstacle that comes and it, and, it, and it will knock you down. And most people get to the obstacle, get to this, this wall, and they, and they get knocked down, they stay down. Rocky Balboa. Every single great hero's journey is the grand obstacle that will knock you down. What is that? I don't know, every, every man is different. Some men is easy, some men is hard. Some men, the obstacle was, got in a car accident and now they're paralyzed. Now they're, they're done. Some people, the obstacle was one of their best friends passed away. Now they're done. Every man, like life gives you different obstacles. 
and I have all the compassion in the world for men who have terrible obstacles. But at that point, a, a man must decide what he's going to do. Is he going to stay in the pit? Or like Bruce Wayne in The Dark Knight Rises, is he going to rise from the pit? And I, and I think to me that's just something that's important that I've realized is, is the obstacle. And then the last point is just the, 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 the brother's community along the way. That's another, this another um, vantage point or flash point that I've noticed as well, who comes alongside your life to be able to help you achieve your journey. Right. So moving from the hero's journey to talk about how do you, you personally look at obstacles that come at you? How do you take situations that maybe seem difficult, maybe seem slightly out of your ability, and how do you deal with it? How do you encounter them? Yeah, to me, I think I'm at the point right now where I realize I, I know what it is. I know what it is. I said, like, like in every great story, the obstacle can never overcome the, the hero. Think about the story of Christ. Even death, him, even death itself. Like, de- like, think about it. Like, death. What greater obstacle is it than to die? The story is over. This was really interesting about the part, if you saw the Harry Potter in, the, in Deathly Hollows. The story's over when the character, main character dies. And so to me, when you realize that there's no obstacle that's ever stopped any hero, if, including death, so, so that you have to realize that you can't overcome it. Whether you will is up to you. And I pray that, that some of these obstacles that many men have experienced never happen to me. But if death can be overcome, anything can be overcome. And so to me, I think that's just something that that when I get there, I realize it's here to stop me. But it doesn't have to stop me if I cho- so choose so, to do so. Yeah, no, I say that all problems except death are all psychological. Death is the only physical problem, right? That's your only boundary to anything. Like, you can't fly out of a plane because, well, death would stop you, right? But anything where you think that you can't do it or that it can't be done or that it's you know, unimaginable or impossible, that's a limitation that's self-imposed. And I feel that what I think people that start finding success and then start growing more and more find is that it's a manifestation of what they believe can be real, what they believe can actually be done. And I feel like with the hyper-successful, you know, they did things that were impossible, that were never done, but they believed that they could do it. And so I think that's an important mindset to come from. Um, but what points do you give to someone who maybe thinks that they can't overcome it, who thinks that it's going to, you know, consume them, or that they think that there's no possibility that they'll ever get over an obstacle? They're probably by themselves and listening to the voices in their head and, and not going into the world. Because if you go into the world, it's the year 2022. There's somebody who's existed in human history that's overcome what you've overcome. There's a guy, I forget, I forget his last name, but his first name is Nick. He has no arms and no legs. No arms and no freaking legs. What are you talking about? There's, there's enough stories in human history to this point that anybody who's gone through anything, there's been somebody else who's overcome it and can share with you how they did it. If you're somebody who's saying, there's no way, my story is unique, there's no one like me, there's no one going through the pain I'm going through, I'm telling you right now, you are stuck living in your head. And you're being consumed by the negativity that the pain has brought to you, and you're being consumed by the lies. 
and the lies will cause you to be a prisoner of your, of your past. Every part, everybody is a product of their past, but most people don't have to be a prisoner of their past. So I think to me that my message to, to those people is find somebody who's gone through what you've gone through, see what they've done to overcome it, and to surround yourself with positive stories of what can be instead of wallowing in what can't be because that's what happens when you're down. You wallow, you want to be sad, you want to stay in suffering, and you want to stay in nihilism. And that's the antidote. That is not the antidote away from chaos. In all your interviews and all your experiences kind of traveling and meeting different people who had different perspectives, what are some of the similarities that you recognize between these people that you meet? What are the similarities of their character and also how they kind of involve themselves in the professional work? I think the most consistent similarities, I, I was talking to Jose about it. He disagrees with this theory and so does Patrick, but they have a superpower of effort plus perseverance. Meaning they have an ability to do something at a high, at a high, at a top level of performance for a long period of time. And most men that I've met don't have that. Meaning, can you pursue your dreams for eight years straight? As Patrick says, outwork, out innovate, out strategize, and outlast competition. Everyone that I meet who's a rock star, they've been crushing it for a long time. And most human beings have a good day. Most people, as Kevin Samuels would say, is like Jeremy Lin, have a few good games. Most people can't put together a few good seasons. That's the difference between a Hall of Famer and a one-hit wonder. A one-hit wonder has one good song. A Hall of Famer has a bunch of good songs. And so to me, I think that's the biggest thing. Everybody works hard. But you might just work hard for two months. He works hard for 20 years. Different results. I'd say my theory to why they would disagree is because it's become their normal, right? It's such a standard that they've evolved to have to operate at such level that they don't see it in any other, they don't see their lives in another way. Like they're like, that's their capability. That's their normal. Because um, personally, like, you know, if I look at the work I do now, how much I spend, and I look at it a year ago, like the comparisons night and day, like I wasn't dedicated as much. So I feel like there's either an option where there is a wiring, and I think there is a wiring universally, but I think there's an option where either you see the potential for more or you don't see an alternative. So you dedicate more and more time until you become to this level of high performance. Like, especially with Jose's, and I followed his story for a while. It's like, you know, he had to keep growing. Like, he was like, okay, essentials, boom, I'm focused, boom, boom, boom. Okay, you know what? A grooming product would serve my consumers. So he had to encompass that. There wasn't an alternative. Like, this has to work. Like, I'm going to make this work. And so I feel like that's an adaptation of making that the normal, making that the standard. Because there's always this, there's this idea in philosophy where it's like, I don't know which school of thought it is, but it's like, you know, you're pushing past the limit, resetting to a higher limit and going past it. Almost how like investors will see like resistance levels, right? Like it's hard to break through, but once you break through, you're in a whole different threshold. And so I feel like with these kinds of people, they have that tenacity to pursue through those levels of resistance and making it to a point where 
they can become something more. That makes a lot of sense. When it comes to pushing past those, there's a lot of emotion that sometimes comes. And I see it in a way where, you know, there's people that will work based on their emotional thinking. And they don't base it off what their capabilities or their skills or their rational mind does. And oftentimes when I see that, there's a disconnect. Because people, I mean, obviously the negative would hinder your performance. But I think people also fail to realize sometimes the positive emotions and how they can kind of almost do like a cloud in front of your eyes. Where you're really not seeing things as they are. Like with happiness and with passion. You know, because if you come... For me, for example, like, I wouldn't hire someone that's like, I'm extremely passionate. I'm like, what happens on the day that you're not passionate? What happens on the day where everything's going sideways and you're not passionate about things going sideways? Like, you know, for me, it's like there's a level of you need to dissociate the emotional right now. Like, I need skills. I need someone that can work on the good days and work on the bad days. Again, like someone like Jose, like he says, like, I'm not all I'm not up most of the time. You know, I'm down, but I'm I need to get this work done. And so I think there's a level of like people have always seen like, yeah, if you go to work sad or angry, it's going to be bad performance. But if you go to work on the flip side, there's also that cloud that you're hiding yourself from and you're blocking yourself from seeing things as they are. No, that makes perfect sense. And I think it's um, very important that every individual learns that you have to learn how to do in spite of how you feel. And that's what the greats can do. But most people live their life off their feelings. People can, are in so control of their feelings that their feelings only dictate their behaviors. And I truly believe that's what a lot of greats have as well. Yeah, I think when you're talking about overall looking to change your life, you know, it's, it's interesting because I kind of 180'd everything. Like, I really changed for what I wanted. Um, but I feel for so many people, you know, it has to sometimes... They have to start slow because I feel like the biggest thing is consistency. One, you need commitment to start, but two, you need consistency to follow it through. Because if you go too far beyond what you're capable of in, in that moment, right, that's where you kind of quit. Like that's that's the whole problem with like the New Year's resolution. You can't just go to an hour or go to the gym an hour a day for every day and expect that to work when you've not been going to the gym. And I feel like it's interesting too because it's good to think from different perspectives and Jose recently dropped a video of him walking through a day as if he weighed 300, 400 pounds with a fat suit. And he was like, man, like I know it was hard for someone to like, you know, walk and lose weight, but like he had to walk and do the same things or climb upstairs. And he's like, sometimes I fail to realize that, you know, what might not seem that big for me might be really big for them. So I think it's all to the individual. Like, you have to be able to be honest. I think that's the starting point. You have to be open, authentic, and honest with yourself about where you want to go. You need that direction. Uh, but that from there, and a good book for that is Atomic Habits, James Clear. You have to break it down into structures. You have to break it down into the day-to-day, -day, right? What are you doing today to get to a better tomorrow, to get to better next week? And then I think it's also, like, you have to hold yourself accountable, and it's good to have an accountability group. But at the same time, don't blame yourself just put the responsibility on yourself i feel like blaming doesn't get people anywhere like oh it's your fault that this happened or it's my fault that this happened like no it's like you know what it doesn't matter this is what's going to be happening about it this is the i have the responsibility i'm going to deal with it 
right? This happened to me, cool. It happened for me. I'm dealing with it. So I feel like there's also a part of taking responsibility, not assigning blame because that just doesn't do anything for anyone. A hundred percent. I think um, I was just talking to a young man about this today. I said the difference between a boy and a man is a, a boy abandons responsibility, a man accepts it. A boy, his mom changes his diapers. A boy, his mom feeds him. His mom wakes him up in the morning for school. His mom buys him his clothes. His mom pays the bills. He abandons responsibility, and his, and his mother or whoever else takes care of it for him. But a man, he accepts him. He puts a team on his back. He puts a load on him over his shoulders, and he bears the responsibility. And so I agree 100%. You must accept that responsibility for whatever you want in life. Yeah, and I think that's where it really comes to... It comes to being honest with yourself about what you want. Because once you know what you want, then you can start basing everything else around. But I feel like, and that's, and this is a big part, every choice that you make has consequences. But you're the individual that defines those consequences. Because they can be either good or bad, depending on what you want. And so I feel like one of the biggest ones is, like you said, the, the difference between a man and a boy. You're looking at it two ways. Like, one, the boy doesn't want to grow up. He doesn't want to assume responsibility for his life. And he wants to live in the state of like Neverland, almost like Peter Pan. He never wants to grow up. He never wants to step into the real world. What's a positive consequence for some people is that they don't have to take responsibility. They don't have to take accountability for their life. But what's the negative? You don't take responsibility. So life really doesn't have that meaning without that responsibility. Furthermore, you know, you're making others support you because you can't support yourself. And then the last part is your life doesn't have as much of an impact because you're failing to claim responsibility. You're flaming to you're failing to claim that burden of of carrying your weight and maybe the weight of a family. And what's the flip side? You claim responsibility. You say, this is my life. This this isn't anyone else's. What I do has an impact on myself and the people around me. Okay. Maybe that's a harder truth to bear, but you can now bear that and move forward in life, carrying that with pride. Furthermore, that you're uh, able to support people you're able to be a rock for other emotional beings and really guide others and be someone that impacts and influences by the burden you're able to carry the responsibility you know I feel for me that's where I find meaning like if I don't have responsibility like I mean I don't know what I would do I honestly feel like I'd go crazy just because for me that's what makes me happy for me to be counted on to be relied on to be that person that people are looking towards like, I like that. I like the feeling of being under pressure in the spotlight. I don't know how you feel about that, but go ahead. No, that makes, makes sense. No, I, I think, I think the, those are all wise words, man. I couldn't, couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> That's great. Okay, so to wrap up, I want you, we're going to do a list of the top five books you want every man to read. And then after we do the little outro, I want to talk, talk about one more point to end it off. Cool. Um, Five books I want every man to read is, I think, uh, a great book that I, I think is overlooked is the Bible. And, and, and it's important that you read it as an adult. You read it as an adult because I think what happens, people read it as children. They think it's a children's book. It's not a children's book at all. It's not a children's book. Um, and read a translation you can understand. So I would advise people to read the New Living Translation of the Bible. Start in the New Testament. Actually, start, start go from Matthew if I were you, I wouldn't read Revelation the first go around. <laughs> but start from Matthew and read that. Actually, I would advise people, this is what I would advise people. Start, start in the New Testament, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Then go to the Old Testament and read Gen Genesis, Exodus, 
uh, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, um, Ruth, no, Deuteronomy, Judges, Dennis Ruth, Dennis First and Second Samuel. So I'll read those books, read, read, read that in the Bible, because I feel like it gives men a great foundation for all the other themes that are going to be consistent in life. The four other books would be The Way of the Superior Man, obviously, 12 Books for Life by Dr. Jordan Peterson, um, Lost Connections by Johan Hari, and then the last book would be um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Great. So where can people find you at? Uh, you guys can go ahead and find me over at my YouTube channel. Just type in Hafiz Balku on YouTube, and you can be able to find me and connect with me there. Great. So, again, everyone, please show them the support. Show them the love. And, you know, if you want to find and pursue what's meaningful, look at others who are doing what you want to be doing, and take admiration and take inspiration. It's not about the comparison. It's not about what they have. It's about, you know, looking to how they operate and the values that they shine through. And that's what's really important to see in the people that you admire. So my last question to you as we wrap up is what to you has been the defining moment for you to realize that you want to help others who want to be help, helped? Defining moment. I think the defining moment happened... Oh, that's a great question because I don't think there was like, I don't think there was like one particular moment, but I think to me when I got a phone call from, from prison for the first time and never received a phone call from prison and it was a, it was a missed call and it turned out that one of my old students who was now in prison I haven't heard from him in years. He was calling me for some for some help. Cause I guess I'm always own number he memorized. And um, I, I feel like that moment really defined my life because, you know, to see someone that you care so much about go down the wrong path, and to see that individual sabotaging their life, um, and then to see other guys sabotaging their lives as well. It, it, it hurt me so drastically that emotion, I just cannot deal with that kind of tragedy all the time. So I just realized that emotionally, it's just, it's hard for me. I care so much to be around people or self-sabotaging themselves because it affects me. Um, and so I feel like that kind of selfishly led me to really feel like, man, if I'm gonna help people, I, I wanna help people who not only can self-sabotage, who won't self-sabotage their lives, but people who won't cause, you know, damage on my own as well. So I think, that, I think that moment really shaped me. Thank you for sharing. Again, everyone, please show him the love, show him the support, follow his no page, problem. the message that he shares with the world, that what he's doing, the community he's building. Check out the standard, check out the roommates, check out his personal channel, because all of it is dedicated towards helping you become the best version of yourself and becoming the hero of your own story. Gentlemen, chase excellence chase your dreams and chase a better you today that's going to do it for me today and i will catch you on the next episode of the gentleman's atlas podcast thank you for listening to today's episode on the gentleman's atlas podcast if you enjoyed this episode leave us a review on apple podcast and spotify and share this episode reach out to us at www.thegentlemansatlas.com and tell us what you'd like to see next 
Your support is greatly appreciated and see you in the next episode.